Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
What is up, everybody? You are watching and or listening to the Belly Up Fantasy Live Football Show. I'm joined, of course, as with every week, by Justin Herrera at SemtexMex93 on Twitter, Chris Dowhauer, and of course, I am Adam LaRue at LaRue Adam on Twitter. How was the weekend? Week three uh, is in the books. Um, a tough week for some some key uh, like RB two, I would say. Some some mid tier running backs had some tough times. Uh, how are you, how are your teams? Well, I lost again this week for both my key leagues, so I definitely wasn't doing as good as I hoped. I almost had the magical comeback. Needed five more yards out of Zeke, and I would have pulled it out. But of course, they decided not to play him in the last couple snap, last couple series. So. Fell just short. Ah, yeah. Zeke did bring me back in one league uh, and then in another. I, I needed uh, Devonta Smith and Dak to bring me back. Dak did his job. Devonta, of course, did not with that slip. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm in a 32-team league. So that's like the most exciting league I have. <laughs> um, so I actually just etched out the best team in the league with like my rookie like lineup. It's not even a rookie lineup. It's like a rookie sophomore lineup that I put together. And I'm like, oh yeah, baby. DeAndre Swift had a beautiful game. Brandon Ayuk had a comeback game. It was all good. And then mm-hmm. of course, Sam Darnold had a good game. So that was, yep, that was too. He did. And we will absolutely be talking about that uh, today. Um, so we are going to get straight into some of our um, some of our week three recap stuff. Before we do that, of course, a word from our great sponsor and Manscaped. Your client's going away for ten years, unless unless we swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right. Thank you to Manscaped again. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get this thing started. Justin, of course, you had the early games, and yep. it's time for us to – I'll get our graphic pulled up here in a second. It's time for us to talk about the Thursday night game, Carolina versus Houston. All right, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, so the Thursday night games – are usually pretty, or they've been pretty good for past couple of weeks. Um, this one was obviously not going to be the greatest one, but um, you know we got to see like a kind of an early, early kind of momentum battle. Um, you know, keys for this game was that we lost Christian McCaffrey 
for unspecified amount of time. They said they're not going to put him on IR, which is usually good. That means that they feel like he won't miss, won't need to miss three weeks. So that doesn't mean he's going to be back this week, but it does mean that, you know, CMC fans and CMC owners, you probably don't have to worry about missing him for too much of the season. Um, for this game, it was pretty much the Sam Darnold show. Uh, after McCaffrey left, Sam Darnold did his best Daniel Jones impression. He was running all over the field. Um, literally was doing some of the the Daniel Jones impressions, even with the slides and everything. Um, I he, I was kind of mad because, like I said, I had him in that league. Um, it ended up working out for the end, but he had a nice 33-yarder that was brought right to, like, five-yard line, and it got called back. Um, so thank you, Cam Irving. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, DJ Moore had another DJ Moore game. Robbie Anderson, unfortunately, had another Robbie Anderson game, which means he didn't get targeted much. He got targeted more than, more than before, but he was not getting as many receptions. Um, it's going to be interesting because Robbie Anderson was one of the guys that picked up once CMC went down last year. If they decide to use Hubbard, um, the way that they use Mike Davis and put in Robbie Anderson and more of those shorter routes, or if they just decide to throw the entire workload at DJ Moore, um, Marshall had a good game. And, you know, as you can see from the stat line, you know, Davis Mills, I don't think we were expecting much from Davis Mills, but he didn't throw a pick, guys. I was kind of impressed on that end because he was supposed to be like, I mean, at least from what I saw in the preseason, he was just this absolute garbage quarterback who threw like three interceptions next to like third stringers. I'm like, oh, man, Jesus Christ, how'd this guy land a job in the NFL? But, um, yeah, Brandon Cook seems to be like, you know, Anywhere he goes, he's just gonna he's gonna do work. So, um, so my main takeaways from the Texans is Brandon Cooks always start Brandon Cooks no matter who's the quarterback. He seems to just be Texan proof. Um, as far as Carolina going forward, I think that Carolina's got a good matchup with Dallas. Um, I know Dallas just came off of pretty much shutting down the Eagles, but you know I like what Carolina's attack has got, and I like that Carolina has somebody to take on the CMC role that you've got fresh legs. So I would expect a high, you know, a high octane battle there. Um, you know, if you're going into next week, have full confidence with DJ Moore, full confidence with Ter- Terrace Marshall. And, you know, even if you're like thinking about it, maybe you got Matt Ryan or something like that stream, Sam Darnold, see what he can get you. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much my takes on that game guys. Uh, Tommy Tremble did have a rushing touchdown of seven yards. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I make out of that is that Dan Arnold just got traded. So maybe that means that there's an opening for him to start getting more reps in the offense. Highly doubt it, but it's something to watch. He did um, also have a 30-yard reception. He did. Yeah, his only one. <laughs> <laughs> his yards per reception are crazy. They're, are, they're off the chart, man. <laughs> you look at his stat line, you're like, oh, I want to get that guy right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess uh, if you guys don't have anything to add on to that, I'm ready to move on to the next game. Oh, yes. The Colts and the Titans. So, guys, I, I just 
before we do anything else, I want to ask you, did you guys watch the uh, top 100? I saw parts of it. Okay. So go check out the Derrick Henry one. I think he finished fourth. Um, in the Derrick Henry one, it's hilarious. They have Darius Leonard sit down, and he's evaluating the play where he absolutely destroyed Josh Norman. And he says, man, I'm just glad it wasn't me that showed up on his highlight tape. Bro. It did. It happened. Oh, my God. Before I get into anything else, go watch that. It was the greatest. <laughs> like, you didn't even have to animate it. He just got knocked Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Like 30 yards. No, it wasn't 30 yards. It was like five yards. But he bounced off of Derrick Henry so hard. <laughs> Derrick Henry just goes, boom. And he just flies back. Oh, Darius Leonard. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a hilarious take. Um, so once again, Michael Pittman was involved in this game. Only had 68 yards, but 12 targets. 12 targets is very encouraging. Carson Wentz is out there. We didn't have to see the Jacob Easton show. I know that Adam is so happy we didn't have to see the Jacob Easton show. <laughs> I don't know, man. God. <laughs> Probably would have been better off without mobile <laughs> Wentz looks. <laughs> um, I mean, come on. You, you'd have to be. Oof. Um, but, yeah, Wentz didn't look like Wentz. But, I mean, dude's dealing with two sprained ankles. I don't. I didn't expect too much out of him. I just expected him to be a leader out there. Um, Taylor, Taylor's he rushes. He's rushing well. Um, I'm just kind of like worried that as far as fantasy goes, he's just going to be the touchdown upside guy. Just because where you drafted him, he's got that. You know, he's not going to have the hundred yards a game every single game like Derrick Henry is going to be. He's not going to be locked in like Dalvin Cook. So it's kind of one of those things. It's hard when you see somebody get you know, under 100 yards, but he looks so good running the ball. Um, they got Naheem Hines more involved in the offense this game. He had a rushing touchdown. He had five catches. You know, it seems like he's going to be back into his role. Um, other than that, I really didn't have too much to talk about with the Colts. On the other side, Tannehill had a couple of blunders. I won't even blame the second one on him. I will blame the Leonard one on him because I don't know where he was throwing it to. He just kind of threw it into the pile and, you know, he got picked off. I mean, rightfully so, man. When you throw it into just a, a flurry of defenders, that's what happens. The second one was kind of like popped up on, you know, a pass that might have been a little bit low, but it was in the receiver's hands. It kind of just got popped up by the defender and intercepted. So I'll give him credit there. Um, 
AJ Brown. AJ Brown worries me, not just because of the injury. He worries me because he's been kind of not taking advantage of any of the target share. Um, he had eight targets last week, and he only had, I think, four catches and not too many yards after what. I mean, I think he only had like, I don't even remember off the top of my head, it was like 20 to 40 yards. Uh, Julio had a three-catch game, didn't look very impressive again. Um, this Westbrook kid was the show-off of the game. Um, he had a touchdown. Uh, Chester Rogers again had another showing in this game. Um, you know, we got more Pruitt and Jeff Swain had a nice catch. But I mean, other than that, it was it was really just Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry, and you know they were they went off to play action a lot because obviously you know Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. But it was overall, I mean, I. For fantasy, you wouldn't want any part of this game if you, unless you have Derrick Henry. Uh, maybe Ryan Tannehill as like a QB two because he still he still had three touchdowns. But um, yeah, I mean, if you had Jeremy McNichols in a deep league, right, and you started him by chance, but I wouldn't have it. I don't know if, if you guys have anything to add on this game, but I'm over it. <laughs> just, just, just a couple of things. Just a couple of things, real quick. Number one, you talk about Darius Leonard to kick it off. Did you see him get trucked himself? Because he definitely got thrown. Yeah. He get thrown back quite as far as Josh Norman did, but it wasn't pretty. He's gonna make a highlight film. No, no matter not wanting to be on one, he definitely made one anyway. Yeah. And as for as for the offense from all Colts, uh, Quint Nelson got banged up in this game, and that's kind of really concerning. The offensive line's already been kind of underachieving. To put Jonathan Taylor not doing what you kind of hoped he would do. That's going to be a definitely hindrance to him and Wentz in that passing attack and the rushing attack if he's not out there. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, I, you know, it, it's not a great, you know, pass rush in Tennessee. But for most of the game, I saw that the Colts weren't having too many problems giving uh, Wentz a clean pocket to throw out of. I mean, he had two sacks. I think they sacked him twice. But, I mean, like I said, it's, it's not really saying much coming from the Tennessee aspect because – Tennessee doesn't really have a pass rush anyways. Um, I mean, just, just to give you numbers, though, he did 18 pressures on 39 throws, I think it was. So he definitely was seeing some pressure. Yeah. No, I mean, he was. But like I said, he, I felt like he had, like, just from what I saw, I felt like he was not really battling with the worst of pockets. He wasn't going like Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? Like, everything wasn't absolutely crumbling from play one or from snap one. But – um. Yeah. Yeah, the no, interior held up a little better. I think Kelly was better, but the tackle play was still really bad. And Fisher, especially, I thought he played well in his first game back, but last week was against the Titans, not it for him. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah, Darius Leonard, man, that guy got so pinballed. <laughs> he did. Oh, my God. Oh, shoot. Oh, this game. Oh, man. I love this game. Um, so, two teams that should have looked awesome in this game. And my biggest takeaways from this game is that Cordell Patterson is not bad. And where the hell was Kyle Pitts um, on the Atlanta side? You know, like, I've... He showed up in the fourth quarter, and I'm over here going like, well, you should be showing up every quarter, man. Um, Yeah, so Calvin Ridley, like Calvin Ridley Day. Um, Matt Ryan, nothing special. 
Saquon had his first touchdown, one yard. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest takeaways from this is if you uh, invested in Sterling Shepard, you know, I don't know what the injury report came out fully with him, but I know he left the game. Then um, Galladay came in. He kind of stepped up a little bit. Um, Ingram, of course, had the, the fumble. He's constantly having issues. Um, how did you guys – did you guys ever scout Colin Johnson when he was with the Jaguars? I, I liked yeah. him in Texas. I yeah. So I, I look at him, and I think that he might have a potential to be a good tight end. And, I mean, like, I know he's – isn't he, like, 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, in that range? Yeah, he's 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6", six, six, yeah. So, I mean, he looked good out there. And, I mean, I liked him for the one or two games that he played for the Jaguars when Chark was down. Um, I was actually surprised that he didn't, you know, get on a team quicker. I think he got bounced off of one team before he ended up with the Giants. But, um, yeah, I mean, with this game, it was kind of just like – to me, it was kind of a little bit on the boring side. I mean, I thought – you know, having two teams that were kind of like equal, you know, obviously the Giants are a little bit on, better on the defensive side and the Falcons are a little bit better on the offensive side just off of Matt Ryan's experience alone and their weapons. But for me, I didn't really, you know, I didn't take too much out of this, like I said, other than Cordell Patterson is always – he's going to have a role on this offense. Um, and it's probably a better role than Mike Davis is going to have, to be honest with you. So, I mean – other than the the guys that are normally doing their stuff, did you guys take away anything big from this game? I think it's interesting that, you know, Slayton also got hurt in this game as well. So you saw Tony actually hit the most snaps of all the receivers, most routes run for the Giants. So he's actually talking a lot about him playing in the slot. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan myself, but he does bring some explosiveness and kind of might be actually used because Jason Garrett has no idea how to use him otherwise. And then the other thing I would say, is overall that the you know, talk of the Kyle Pitts thing, it's really just it's really disheartening for a lot of people who drafted him high, which we warned you not to, um, because right now he's not giving you tight end top tight end numbers. He's not really involved in the game. I mean, he wasn't even targeted until the fourth quarter. So that's why yeah. the big part why you can't do anything if you're not getting any targets. Yeah, yeah, and it was unusual because you know his previous games he was getting targeted pretty heavily, even if he wasn't like reeling in big time passes. So it was it was really strange to see him not get targeted until the fourth quarter. And, I mean, he could have saved it on the one-armed catch, but that was a pretty hard catch to make anyways and, you know, ended up in pass interference. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. It's kind of uh, – if you drafted pits within, like, the two to four range, you're kind of not liking it right now. Mm-hmm. We'll say it's for him uh, now stepping into the slot with Shepard down. Uh, rough start for Tony, uh, given that he, like you said, he did lead receivers with snaps, uh, but just three targets, um, you know, behind quite a few of the other receivers who he outsnapped. Uh, I, that does worry me uh, as far as, I mean, this is a game where they did pass a lot. They passed 35 times uh, and he still drew three targets as the team's leading uh, receiver snap wise. Uh, Colin Johnson, of course, as you mentioned, came on and uh, got seven targets um, and was actually pretty productive. Whereas even with the few targets Tony did have, he wasn't super productive. Um, That's not to say that within a week of actually running with the ones and uh, playing in the slot predominantly and not being expecting to be in the schedule. um, That's not saying, you know, that he can't rebound. Just it did worry me a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't really, I mean, an acclaimed route runner coming out of college Mm -hmm. anyway, so. 
I mean, he was he was kind of it was kind of weird to see him go first round because he was more of just like a specialized gadget type player, somebody you would just try and pitch the ball to and get him into open space. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how they use him going forward. Mm-hmm. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> All right, so I gotta I gotta ask you guys a quick question real quick. Um, how you guys feeling about Herbert? How, how how are you guys feeling about you know just this this trio that's going on right now where pretty much Mike Williams is getting out tar- he's out targeting you know Keenan Allen in some games and you know these guys are just you know they're balling they're balling super hard right now Mike Williams is out uh, of this speaking world right of now. this is definitely not the right Chargers Kansas City game. Um, yeah, no, it's not. Because yeah, <laughs> Chad yeah. Eddie's not playing that. <laughs> All right, so move on this uh, for a but, minute. And I'll pull but how do you, Chris, how do you feel about it? I mean, you were kind of like a somebody who was against Herbert going into yeah, the I mean, season. You had I your was, doubts. Um, you weren't against him, but you had your doubts. I had my doubts to Justin Herbert. I did, and especially coming out of college, I was a, I was kind of frustrated with, you know, he's so much better than Tua Talk, and I thought he really impressed last year as a rookie. I had to give him credit. And this year, I'm actually going to give him even more credit. I still have some questions about his decision-making at times. He does turn the ball over in some key situations. But the man throws an incredible ball. And some of the throws I see him make is, you know, a la Patrick Mahomes. So I do give him a lot of credit. His arm talent is definitely there. He's reading them. He feels really comfortable in the offense. You can kind of tell. And he has a puff for weapons. They're using Austin Eckler out of the backfield. I like that Mike Williams isn't just being a, a go guy and just running deep routes consistently because I thought he could do more coming out of school. So it's nice to see him kind of be utilized in that role. And Keenan Allen continues to be utilized, but also more farther down the field than he had been in a long time. So it's kind of cool to see all these guys kind of expanding their their, their games, and so to speak. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I had my doubts about Mike Williams unless he had ever kind of expanded upon his role instead of being a, a go guy. And he's running slants now. He's running outs now. He's running ins, corners, everything. He's running his entire route train. He's looking fantastic doing it. Um I will gladly bite that one and say, yeah, I messed up in not drafting Mike Williams in some of my leagues. But, um, yeah, this offense was just – it was explosive. And for me, the one takeaway I took from this game is that the Chiefs could have won this game, but they had four turnovers. They had four turnovers. They had two fumbles and they had two picks. Um, you know, at the end, Mahomes was trying way too hard. Um, he overthrew Kelsey and it got picked off by the safety in the back. You know, I think that this was the epitome of what the Chargers kind of needed to to go into that zone where they could kind of feel like a team that could actually win the AFC West. And, you know, it, it was it was a lot of, you know, you still got the, the Najee. You got yeah. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah, so like for me, I saw on the Chargers side, I saw Herbert be confident. I saw Eckler was heavily involved in this game. And, you know, I was excited that, you know, Eckler, we were talking about it on the Sunday show. Like who's going to be the third receiver? I, it's Eckler. It's just Eckler. You know, I was thinking, you know, it had to be like Cook or Palmer or somebody. No, it's just Eckler. Eckler is going to be the guy that's going to give you seven targets, five receptions, 50 yards. And I mean, they're finding some way to get him every single time. You know, they're doing empty, they're having checkdowns where he's just totally unguarded. And it's just like, how are you unguarding this guy? 
or you're not guarding this guy. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. But yeah, and, and then, um, you know, for me, I looked at, you know, guys like Roundtree as maybe somebody who could come in and, you know, give him competition. And then he had a one-yard gain, just our, our one-yard run for a touchdown, and he couldn't make it. He got stopped. So I'm thinking to myself, this guy's probably just another guy, you know? But um, on from that, uh, let's see. So, yeah, so you look at this game. Keenan Allen actually out-targeted him by three, but Mike Williams was more efficient the entire time. Um, so how do you guys feel about Clyde? A lot of people were doubting Clyde. I, you know, I drafted Clyde a lot in my leagues, and I think he got kind of an easier matchup against that front seven in um, Los Angeles. I was about to say San Diego. Um, but – I liked what I saw from him. I mean, I've liked what I saw from him from every game. He runs hard. He did fumble. Um, but I think that the one thing that Kansas City is doing instead of like Tampa Bay where they're like grounding somebody for fumbling, they're letting him go in there, learn from his mistakes, and keep on going. And when he got back in there, he was still rattling off runs of like five, nine, ten yards. You know, he was doing the consistency thing. Um, I don't think he's going to be like somebody who's going to break like major yardage, but you know, you keep grinding and grinding and grinding. I think he's going to be very helpful for this offense in the future. How do you guys feel about Clyde? I know a lot of people in the fantasy community have different or varying opinions about Clyde. I know Chris was high on him. Adam, I don't, I couldn't gauge what you were about him. I don't love the player necessarily, but as, as far as the situation goes, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to get a ton of touches as the lead back here. I don't think talent wise, any running back on that roster is close to him. Um, so I, I think for the time being, he's a pretty much must start as long as the chiefs are you know, using him as that lead back. And like I said, I don't see any reason for them not to, because I, it, who's going to take that away from him? Daryl Williams. Right. Right. Yeah, I was excited to see him get back on track. I mean, I, as you talked about, I'm definitely a fan. Um, one of the two things that kind of stood out to me is one, he looks a little more healthy. And people kind of forget towards the end of that preseason, he had a he had sprained his ankle pretty severely. The Kansas City kind of underplayed it, what, or how severe it was. But I think you can see he's getting some more explosiveness back. And they say it takes about a month that injury to heal itself, and it's about a month, about a month. So I think you're starting to see him kind of round back into shape. I was also excited to see that they were committed to him despite the fumbles. Um, and he continues to be utilized. And I think his prior days are still ahead of him. So somebody, if you can get your hands on him, I think you should try to trade for him. I wouldn't. I, I had this argument with Dan on our last show on MD Sports um, Thursdays and Fridays. But I, I, I basically 
we had disagreed whether or not it's time to kind of cut off Edwards Hilaire. And I said, this game will kind of mark where I stand with him. I'm, I'm happy with where he, still, he, how he performed. I'm hopeful of him for the future. Yep. I'm with you. And then finally this game. So I'm going to make this real quick. Ben Roethlisberger needs to retire. Um, he has got very little zip in his ball. Uh, thank God Najee Harris was there to catch 14 balls. But to be honest with you, if Juju has any long-term injury on these ribs injury, which he's been day to day, um, I don't know. I don't know who's going to step up. Is it going to be Fryermuth? I mean, I don't even know the full extent of Deontay's injury, how long he's supposed to be out. But if you come down to just Claypool, Najee Harris, Ray Ray McLeod, Pratt Fryermuth, um, you know, James Washington can be your deep ball guy. But that that behind that line, it doesn't look promising for Ben Roethlisberger's future, at least as far as staying up this year. Um, yeah, I was I mean, I was impressed with Najee coming out catching 14 balls. Um, he also ran it 14 times. Um, yeah. And on the other side, Jamar Chase is Jamar Chase, and he looked really good on the 34-yard touchdown, the burner touchdown that he had. Um, yeah, I, Joe Mixon, he did a decent job too, 90 yards. Um, I think Burrow, he did what he had to do. I wanted to kind of see him do a little bit more, but, you know, maybe he just didn't feel like he needed to do more. You know what I mean? They had it pretty well wrapped up. Um, Boyd's back in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any takes on this one? The only other one would be that I'm kind of bummed to see uh, we finally get freedom with Joe Mixon. Giovanni Bernard's gone. You don't have to worry about any more running backs. And this, this guy, Chris Evans, comes along. Taking all his his damn targets. Damn you, Captain America. (laughs) I hate it. Um, And then also, of course, uh, I I think we have to key in on Najee Harris's day being completely saved by the fact that he is now apparently uh, the best PPR running back of all time, getting 14 receptions. Yeah, turning a 14 carry for 40 yard day into almost 30 points in PPR, not bad. <laughs> so that was kind of my worry going into the season drafting him dynasty wise, mm-hmm. is because it, it kind of reminds me of Saquon Barkley when he first came out. Like he's kind of like the guy who's just like the band aid on a team that thinks that they still got something left with their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of like. This is a little bit too eerie how the similarities are there. A bad O-line, an aging quarterback. You Same know. draft class, too. I'm the quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Holy snaps. <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, but, yeah, so that that's my last two cents on that is that I'm just kind of eerie how the similarities are there. I hope that doesn't lead to something else. Um, yeah. All right, so on to the Bears and the Browns. A sad, sad day for Justin Field fanboys like myself. Yes, it was. So, as you talked about, I'm going to try to jump in now. And I had the other one o'clock game with the Chicago and Cleveland. Um, Chicago finally started their prize possession quarterback, Justin Fields. They've been clamoring for him. Everybody's excited for him. 
and he laid a complete dud. Six for 20, 68 yards, only ran the ball three times for 12 yards. Um, I have no idea what Matt Nagy is doing. I, I continue to just bash this guy. He had no game plan that seemed to utilize the athleticism of Justin Fields. Justin Fields also had some errors himself. He was holding the ball a little too long, missed a couple easy throws. Um, this offense was just putrid. But on top of everything, man got sacked nine times, four and a half by Miles Garrett. So it was just basically a complete, part of my language, shit show by Chicago. And offensively, you got nothing out of anybody. Allen Robinson didn't do anything. Darnell Mooney, everybody's kind of, you know, wait till Justin Fields becomes a starter. Look how involved he'll become. Yeah, that didn't happen. And on addition, <clears throat> Montgomery is probably the only guy that had an okay game. You know, 31 yards, 30-something yards rushing, had two, uh, two catches for 21 yards. That was your by far leading fantasy scorer for the Chicago Bears. Um, what you could take out of this game, I'll talk a little bit more when we have our top takes, is that basically somebody needs to get fired sooner than later. Um or I wouldn't touch anything fantasy-wise for this team. No. On the flip side, Cleveland looked fantastic. Um, you saw the return to OBJ. That's kind of the biggest news of everything. You had five five catches for, on nine targets, 77 yards. Didn't do anything super extravagant, but looked explosive out there. It looked like he still has kind of the OBJ we kind of hoped he would be. Um, so I think his brighter days definitely ahead of him. You saw Cooper score, Hooper score a touchdown on the tight ends. Tight ends continue to basically just massacre each other's playing time. Uh, you know, even though Hooper had a touchdown, I had 19 yards. So it's a situation I still think people need to avoid. Baker looked pretty decent. He didn't have to do a whole lot because basically the Bears' offense was just shooting itself in the foot over and over again. So he did a lot of handing the ball off to his backs and Chubb had a nice game. And Green Hunt was a you know explosive full threat guy back to you know averaging I think it was 80 yards. He had receiving 70 something yards rushing, or I'm sorry, flip flop 80 yards uh, rushing and about 70 something yards receiving. Scored a touchdown. He, you know, looked like a human pinball out there. Out there at one point, he could bouncing off of defenders left and right, ran really hard. So those running backs is definitely guys to you are being very productive, just like they were last year. <clears throat> um, the next game I kind of talked about, I'm going to talk about is the Ravens in Detroit. I didn't get the most exciting slate of games for everybody, but uh, one of the things that kind of stood out for me, on the, especially on the Ravens side, of course, was the Justin Tucker 66-yard field goal. That was just incredible. I wish you got, like, you should get triple points in fantasy, in my opinion. You can make a 66 over 60-yarder. 60 but anyway, um, the one thing that I think that kind of stood out to everybody was there was basically no running game for the Ravens. Tyson Williams definitely uh, severely underperformed, wasn't utilized really at all. Neither was Latavius Murray. The running game in general just wasn't a focus for this team. They did throw the ball really well. Um, Lamar looked pretty good, had 280 yards passing. What should have had way more, should have had way better statistics. Marquise Brown has kept fighting the ball all day long and managed to basically avoid catching two touchdown passes the best that he could. Uh, had a wide-open bomb. It could have been an extra 70-yard play. Also dropped two in the end zone. So he definitely, this Ravens offense didn't perform like he kind of expected it to, but you had a lot of numbers kind of left out there. I think the other key thing was Mark Andrews was back involved, which was nice to see. Had over 100 yards receiving. Still hasn't scored a touchdown since last year, but you're hoping that kind of is going to come back. And Sammy Watkins continues to be featured in the passing game. Got another game where he had seven targets, so it's something you continue to see him be one of the people that is kind of utilized a lot in the passing game. We kind of talked about how this passing game got unfold. And right now it's Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins are the two leading receivers out there, and they're getting enough targets to kind of survive and be fantasy relevant. Yeah. Ignoring the uh, the clock gaffe uh, by the refs there at the end, 
that Lamar Jackson throw on what was it, third and twenty or whatever? The Sammy, or yeah. fourth, fourth and twenty, right? Fourth, fourth, fourth and twenty. Yeah, that was incredible. That was a really good throw. Uh, I was really impressed by Lamar. Uh, uh, had a little bit of pressure. Uh, stayed calm, poised, stepped back up, made the throw. Really good stuff there from him. On the Lions side of the ball, um, you know, Justin kind of talked about DeAndre Swift kicking off the show and how well he did. The running backs continue to be utilized. They definitely were effective. Um, only other thing to really talk about about this is Jared Goff returned to earth. He really didn't do anything passing-wise. wasn't fantasy-relevant. Raymond Raymond became the new favorite target of the week, uh, having six catches. I think he's somebody you avoid in most leagues except for PPR possibly because he could be one of their new featured receivers. Um, and everybody's Quint Cephas, a guy I'm kind of high on, was hoping to have a big, nice week, had one catch. So that's something where you have to do this, this receiving position is highly volatile. And going into this week, I tried to warn people, uh, TJ Hawkinson was going to have the game everybody thought he was. The Ravens were dead, ranked dead last against a tight end position. I think that was inflated a lot from the Darren, Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. So this guy is not either one of those physically wise. He's a very good tight end. But he's a little easier to kind of focus on for the Ravens and kind of somebody that was going to be able to attack the seam the same way those two guys were. So that was something I kind of try to warn people going this week. Don't be too so don't be too nervous if he doesn't expect him to do too big of a numbers. Because I don't think it's really going to come. And it didn't. He only had one catch for ten yards. The next game I kind of dive into is the uh, New Orleans New England game. Once again, not a very exciting offensive game. Um, Kamara continued to be with the top performer. It's nice to see him kind of bounce back and be utilized way more often than getting basically what was nine carries, I think, last week, he, um, eight yards. So it was nice to see him kind of return. I was kind of surprised the Patriots didn't do more, make more of an effort to take him out. Usually that's what they're focused on is taking him with the best player. Um, Marcus Callaway had a sighting. You know, a lot of guys, I was excited about him going into the season. I was impressed with what I saw in the preseason. He had four catches, 41 yards, scored a touchdown. It was surprising this is the game where he kind of does well, but that's the game. That's how kind of fantasy football seems to work this year. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of take forward. You know, this guy, people are just basically dropping left and right. I'd hold on to him to see kind of all his offense unfolds. And we don't know Michael Thomas is definitely going to be back either. Um, other than that, I think the biggest disappointment on the Saints side had to be Troutman, who continues not being involved in the passing game. This is a guy I was really excited about talent-wise. And there just doesn't seem to be any volume in the passing game overall for most of these guys. Um, Jameis had another okay game. He really didn't do anything fantasy-wise. He saw Taysom Hill become more and more involved, particularly in that fourth quarter. You know, he vultured a touchdown. He's rushing the ball a lot more, which that made Kamara match more effective. So it's kind of interesting to see does Jameis Winston really have much of a rope left, or can he possibly be pulled sooner than later? I got a question. Is that Kenny yeah. Stills? Kay Stills is back on the team yesterday. They signed him this week, and they brought him off the practice squad. Heck, yeah. I love me some Kay Stills. Yeah, you got all back involved. Got three targets. That's one of the top targeted guys off of the Saints already. <laughs> uh, the next game was Washington versus Buffalo. There was definitely some scoring in this game, mostly on the Buffalo side. Uh, Josh Allen was ridiculous. He had four touchdown passes. He rushed for another one. Had over 350 yards passing. Um, he was just throwing laser beams left and right. And one of the things that he returned to do was pushing the ball down the field. Uh, you saw him a lot of layup throws. He's been trying to throw the first couple of games, a lot of short passes, uh, like a Ben Roethlisberger out there. And he decided to kind of tack more down the field and definitely paid off for them. 
Um, he was very effective. Emmanuel Sanders had two touchdowns, kind of celebrating his, re, you know, his, his arrival at Buffalo at almost 90 yards. Uh, Cole Beasley continues to be a fantasy god. Um, sorry, fantasy PPR god, I should say, uh, <laughs> because he had, he he basically is just getting out there catching 11, 10, 10, 11 balls every game. Continue to be look good out there. Um, Zach Moss is continue, was also involved again this week. It's kind of nice to see him be utilized again after being inactive that week one. This is the second week in a row where he scored a touchdown, this time in the passing game, which is also exciting because you actually saw him utilized both in the rushing and passing game. And you saw Singletary, who had looked really good the first two weeks, basically be phased out a lot in this game, particularly after he blew a couple assignments on pass protection and he had a fumble. So after those situations, it might be Zach Moss's kind of show now, how much value he's going to have moving forward is definitely going to always vary for Buffalo. They obviously love to throw the ball. I mean, his team was up by, I think, was almost 20 some, 24 points with like about five minutes left still launching the ball over the field. So they definitely aren't looking to run the clock out by any stretch of the means. So Zach Moss's rushing yards are always going to kind of be limited, but you're always going to kind of hope he gets you some touchdowns. On the other side, the Tyler Haneke show was kind of disappointing in a lot of senses. Um, Haneke had an okay game, had about 200 yards passing, really wasn't getting any big plays down the field. They fell behind pretty early. The biggest play that they did have was uh, Antonio Gibson on a screenplay, quarter of 70-yarder. Uh, it was a really pretty run. Unfortunately, that's pretty much the only thing Antonio Gibson really did for the day. Uh, he was on about 12 carries. You're kind of getting a little bit worried about his usage. Well, this is two weeks in a row where he's not kind of being featured the way he kind of thought he would be. Um, J.D. McKessie continues to steal those third down plays and situations and be involved in the passing game as well. Uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, is Terry McLaurin still going to be good? Had an okay game, nothing extravagant, but he was fair in you know, the top corner on Buffalo's side, so you weren't expecting, you know, the moon this week. And Logan Thomas had a touchdown. Uh, he continues to be one of the more solid tight end options out there. I think this is a guy that somebody needs to – people need to pay attention to. You can get your hands on him if you have a, playing a, um, a, a league that has tight ends or you play in some of the you – know, what's it called? Uh, super tight ends. Um, tight end premium. Tight end, sorry, thank you. Tight end premium leagues. Um, this is a guy definitely you hope to have or might have. And as a guy that I think has some good upside, continue to be it's probably the second or third target primarily in the passing game. You don't really see the other receivers involved. You see primarily it's going to be McLaurin, the running backs, and then Logan Thomas. My biggest take out of that game one situation is that Redskins defense that everybody was supposed to be afraid of going into this season, don't be, because it's been Swiss cheese this entire season. And Chase Young hasn't had a pressure yet this year. Yeah, it's been very tough for them. And Vanilla. to end my, my fun slate of games and super <laughs> explosive offenses, um, we saw Denver take on the Jets. I'll start off with the Jets side of the ball. Um, Elijah Elijah Moore, I mean, one of the guys I have on my team, and Adam's, you know, offseason sweetheart, continued got hurt this game. He was being targeted a little bit more, so I was excited to see that. Unfortunately, to get injured with a concussion this week's definitely kind of interesting to see what happens with him. Crowder should be returning. Braxton Barrios continues to be out there for no freaking reason. Um, and Corey Davis returned to being the alpha in the receiving core, where he drew ten targets. Didn't have a fantastic fantasy game; only had forty-one yards. But it is something to keep in mind. This guy's going to be featured and utilized primarily probably for the Jets all season long. So if you can buy him on a low, I definitely recommend doing so. Um, the running backs were definitely not really involved in the game that you'd hope they would. Michael Carter was 
You know, we didn't have any Tevin Coleman play at all, but Michael Carter started. Ty Johnson was involved more in the passing game. I think the key to kind of take out that backfield is the roles are getting a little more established. Michael Carter seems to be the one they kind of primarily want to use in the first or second downs. And then Ty Johnson seems to be the guy they kind of want to utilize more in the passing game. I'm kind of surprised by that. I think Carter can be very effective in the passing game, but I think this is kind of remains to be seen. Uh, either ones are, are somebody you're necessarily starting in fantasy yet, but Michael Carter is a guy that I've been big on all offseason, and I think you should try to get your hands on sooner than later because it, it seems to be it's going to be a two-back backfield moving forward. On the Denver side, uh, Teddy Bridgewater continues his outstanding play. Now, he didn't light it up fantasy-wise, but he was definitely very efficient out there. This is the one of the first games he didn't have a touchdown pass, but he also didn't turn the ball over. Um, you saw Tim Patrick become their number two receiver. Obviously, K.J. Hamler got injured, so it's no more question how the, you know, it's going to be split around, who's going to get the ball. It's going to be Sutton and Hamler, and, and um, sorry, Sutton and Patrick moving forward. Patrick, somebody should definitely be adding in any all leagues, in my opinion, because he's going to have value. And you're going to see teams trying to try to focus on Cortland Sutton more and more. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Jamal and Jam, Jamal Williams were both kind of effective. Um, they didn't really have great averages, but they both scored touchdowns. Javante, I'm sorry, Javante Williams, Jamal Williams. Javante Williams, um, one thing you're a little bit concerned about him, especially ownership-wise, is he's getting a lot of his time and garbage time. He, while there's obviously a split in carries and split in touches and time, he's not really being utilized as that alpha guy in the backfield. It still seems to kind of be Melvin Gordon's role. And Melvin Gordon will continue to get the snaps that you're looking for and was also a bit more involved in the passing game than Javante. Uh, Javante had to have four targets. Um, I'm sorry. And he did have three catches, so that's kind of exciting to see. But Melvin Gordon got his two targets, caught one, and he's being utilized out in third down. So that's something to kind of keep in mind as we move forward. Other than that, not a whole lot. Noah Fant was one of the more busts. You're kind of expecting more against the Jets. Had two catches for 10 yards. That was something I think a lot of people weren't expecting to happen, particularly with the receiver injuries. Um, but with so many mouths to feed in this team and the fact that they basically had this game won in the first quarter because they were just getting to Zach Wilson over and over again, shockingly, uh, the Jets offense looks nothing better. looks like Adam Gase has returned to be the coach still. Um, so I definitely advise fantasy-wise, anytime you play the Jets, just load up because play that defense because they're going to probably have a chance to you know, have a shutout or hold them to even less and get a couple picks. So overall, I think this game was kind of ugly and what we expected in a lot of ways. And Denver definitely was the team that came out on top. All right. So I'll be moving on to a game that was actually pretty fun. Uh, I'll be honest here. Uh, it was a great game. I made sure uh, when I saw the Raiders down 12 to 5, I had to get the, the live money line. So that was a fun little ride there. Um, eventually came out on top, but overtime was hectic. This was, of course, an overtime game. Um, some quick notes on the game overall. Uh, a lot of people are using Gasicki as a, uh, a sell high right now uh, because of his outrageous um, target share he got this game, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 86 yards. Uh, I actually think as long as Brissett's the starter uh, that, that you continue to use him, that doesn't mean you don't sell high eventually. I just think you can get another week or two out of him uh, because Tua's on the IR. I pulled this little stat because I was familiar with him, of course, from the Colts days. Uh, Brissett, uh, in his one year as a starter, or uh, his second year in this, as the starter for Indianapolis, um, back in 2019, um, after uh, Andrew Luck had retired, uh, Brissett targeted the tight end position 141 times through 15 games. 
That's a lot of tight end targets. I'm not that shocked to see Gesicki be incredibly involved. He is a uh, post-injury. Brissett has been an incredibly conservative quarterback. Um, so I, I think that, that will be something that continues going forward. And we saw that with Jalen Waddle. Um, Jalen Waddle uh, gets uh, 12 receptions, 13 targets. Um, and you, you would think that that would mean a lot of yards for someone who's heralded as this uh, deep threat, um, dynamic player. Uh, a lot of people were concerned that he could only be a deep threat in the, the league. But in fact, he ended up being used almost exclusively near the line of scrimmage. Uh, with Jacoby as the quarterback. Uh, he did try to unwind to Devante a couple of times. It just never worked out for him. Uh, he's someone I do worry about because uh, that is, I think, where uh, Devante, um, you know, excels the best is going down the field, um, you know, using his, his 6'3 stride to uh, to get open deep, um, make some big plays there. Uh, Will Fuller as well. He came back. That's great. Uh, it kind of struggled, however, you know, it's his first game of the season, so it, it is what it is. We'll see how that um, goes on uh, moving forward. Miles um, Gaskin played pretty well on the Dolphins side. Uh, Malcolm Brown, the stat line is a little bit more forgiving than the eyes are. He had one uh, really good 24-yard run, and otherwise he was six attempts for seven yards. Uh, so uh, ignore the stat line there. He was not impressive at all. Uh, moving on to the Raiders side of things. I'm not that impressed by uh, Kenyon Drake. I'm not that concerned about him if I'm either a Josh Jacobs uh, roster uh, that is waiting for him to come back, or if I'm just using Peyton Barber in the meantime. Uh, I, I think that the actual first and second down runners, the back to have in this offense Kenny Drake is going to get a couple targets, but nothing really that crazy. They spread the ball out a ton uh, over in Las Vegas, which really uh, causes me to not want to have anyone on this offense outside of Hunter Renfro, who I think can be viable in PPR and otherwise isn't. Uh, obviously, he had a touchdown this this week, which would make have made him standard viable if you used him. Um, however, I, I don't think that's going to be the norm. Um and obviously Waller, uh, any format, any way, if he's on your roster, he's your starting tight end. Uh, and Carr I, is genuinely a, at least a high-end QB2 to this point. I know he ranks out currently as a QB1. Um, I don't know if you play him that way yet, but he's at the very least a high-end QB2 to me uh, with how they're playing right now. Um, they're spreading the ball out well. He's playing a little bit more aggressively. The offensive line has been a little bit more impressive than I expected. Um Overall, I, I say uh, what I said about them spreading the ball out, which makes me sad because I actually really like how they're using Rugs now. He's not someone I was super high on as a player, um, but they were getting him involved as something more than just a deep threat. Now, they did use him as a deep threat. Don't get that twisted. Uh, but he was playing uh, in those intermediate routes. They gave him a carry. They were trying to give him end arounds and things like that. They were trying to just get him involved, um, let their dynamic playmaker make plays. Um so I'm interested to see how that goes moving forward, but I think that ultimately they're probably going to spread the ball out too much for him to be a consistent week-to-week starter. Yeah, I think it was awesome to see him get seven targets and he's starting to get a floor, which will make him definitely more fantasy viable moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, I guess I just have to note it. Uh, always sucks in these games, and there's two of them this week when you get the uh, fullback touchdown that helps absolutely <laughs> nobody. Helps no one. 
Yep, yep, yep. All right, moving on to the Seattle-Minnesota game. Uh, Seattle defense, I think, to me, is officially one that you can fade. Um, their defense is not very good. Um, that being said, uh, the Minnesota team, I think, is a lot better than their record indicates. They've played in all those games they really should have won against Cincinnati, and I know that come the end of the season, that's one that Zimmer is going to really want back. Um, but it is what it is. They lost it. Uh, win here, though. Uh against Russell Wilson, the Seahawks. Uh, Kirk Cousins played really well, 30 of 38, uh, three touchdowns. He's also someone who I think uh, has uh, – he was already a QB2, but I think he's really pushing towards the top of that QB2 margin right now. I also think he ranks out as a QB1 currently. Again, I don't know if you overreact to that point yet, although uh, we'll get to it later. I don't know how we're feeling about uh, Jalen Hurts currently, uh, and I know he was ranked out as a QB1 for a lot of people. But um, otherwise, I think Madison is definitely the handy, or yeah, the handcuff here. Um, Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I know that people were starting to doubt that or that he was just a guy or just not that impressive. Uh, clearly, he showed that until Cook is back, he can be the guy. Um, K.J. Osborne uh, didn't have a big day, although I'm not that concerned. Um, literally, the only plus piece in the Seattle secondary comes at nickel. So and the fact that other players had a better day doesn't really shock me that much. Um Justin Jefferson had a big day. Tyler Conklin had a big day. Uh, it seems that either A, um, Herndon has not gotten situated yet, or B, and much more likely, um, that was never going to come. Uh, nothing much was going to come of that anyways. Um, Thiel, of course, got his, his touchdown, which has become a theme, apparently. Um, I definitely expected a touchdown regression there. But what do I know? <laughs> Moving on to the Seattle side of things. Chris Carson had a pretty good day, although he did get hurt and leave the game. Alex Collins was the only running back to get any carries with him out. Um, so I, I would say that there's a clear indication that he is the handcuff to have for him. That being said, Travis Homer was the receiving back, so that would probably be a split back role uh, if Chris Carson was to miss any time. I do believe he came back into the game, but obviously he Dalvin did. Cook uh came back into the game last week and then missed this week. So you never know. Uh, just something to keep an eye on, monitor throughout the week. Uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, I don't think I need to comment too much there. Um, DK Metcalf finally got going. That's really great. On the flip side of things, Tyler Lockett didn't do much with his four targets. Uh, I, I think that was due for a regression to the mean. They're both great receivers. Um, and the fact that Lockett was the, the definite guy for a couple weeks in a row, 
I just don't think it was going to last. Yeah, I think he is a, a great receiver, and I think he is going to have a rebound game here pretty soon. But uh, it, it was time for DK to have one. Um, Gerald Everett is clearly the, the tight end to have here to me, although I don't know if I want either of them. Um, but if you were to have one, it is definitely Gerald Everett. Um, finally, uh, Freddie Swain, who none of you should have on your rosters because I warned you last week, um, had one reception for 10 yards and an additional carry for 11 yards. Yeah, I think the big thing is Tyler Lockett missed some time and looked like he had a severe injury, and it was great to see him come back in that game. So I know Tyler Lockett owners were definitely breathing a sigh of, fresh, of relief yeah. when they saw him back out there. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to a game that, um, by the passing numbers, you would think was a lot more competitive than it was. The Rams really uh, ran away with this to an extent. Uh, Tom was trying to catch up all day and never really could. Uh, the running game for Tampa literally never got going. Um, Ronald Jones led in carries, but that means absolutely nothing. I really don't trust the Buccaneers running backs at all. They're like kind of the worst, ver- the much worse version of the Tampa Bay receiving core. And that you don't know who's going to be the guy that you're going to want to play that week. Um, except you really don't want to be forced into playing any of them. Whereas, you know, if you get burnt by the Tampa Bay receiver, it's kind of an eh, they'll make up for it next week type of thing. Um, Giovanni Bernard had a great day uh, le- leading from that uh, as a receiver. He had zero carries. However, he had 10 targets, nine receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he did get hurt towards the end of there, but I think he'll probably be fine. Um that being said, I wouldn't expect anything like that kind of uh, production from him unless they're in a negative game script. And with this Tampa Bay team, I don't see that happening too, too often. Uh, Gronkowski also had an injury at one point, and I actually thought it was going to be pretty bad, but he re-entered the game. So, uh, again, monitor it, but I think we're probably good there. Um, in his absence, Cameron Brait did look pretty good, but, again, uh, he's, he'll be fine. Um Otherwise, on the Ram side of thing, uh, Sean McVay did on his word what he said. He said, I need to get Deshaun Jackson more involved. And he dialed up deep shots specifically for Deshaun Jackson a couple times. Uh, they missed on it the first time, came back, tried it again, worked out, came back, tried it again later, worked out again. Um, they really wanted to get him going. They made it a point. Uh, again, Sean McVay said that earlier in the week, and uh, that's what happened. Uh, Stafford was played lights out. Um, the other note here is that Sony Michelle is definitely uh, if Henderson's out, then Sony Michelle is a must play. I think uh, now, obviously he only had, you know, 67 yards, 2.4 yards per carry. Um, but that kind of usage is fantastic. And this is one of, if not the, and I would argue the best run defense in the league. So to get honestly, almost 70 yard yards rushing on 20 carries, isn't that bad. Uh, and I'd really like to see what he can do um, on this Rams offense against uh, a worse, a worse rush defense, especially in a, a you know when you're up like that, the run's pretty predictable. So uh, I, again, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, who a lot of people are worried about, and I'm not worried, but I do think that a reality is starting to sink in is with Robert Woods, who for his third straight game has underwhelmed. Um, I think he'll rebound to an extent, but I do think he is clearly behind Cooper Cup. I don't see that changing. Um, I, I think that there's only so long he's going to 
be passed up by Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I think he still is at minimum the, the third target here, if not the second. But uh, yeah, he's not catching up to Cooper Cup anytime soon. Yeah, I think last time I about Cooper Cup being a number one receiver out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on. On the pregame show, I was very confidently claiming that a San Francisco running back would tear up the Green Bay Packers. Um, that did not happen. Uh, the Green Bay run defense stepped up, or more likely, I think we might have missed on Trey Sermon, to be honest. I, I think that there could be a reason that Elijah Mitchell had passed him up. Uh, it, that's not to say he can't rebound from this, but it wasn't that great of a showing from him. Uh, the goal line run was great. There was a lot of motor from him, um, but just not a light, a lot uh, to like. Um, I think that the biggest point to be made here is that the running backs were, were perceived so lowly by uh, Kyle Shanahan that they moved on to the fullback for a lot of their receiving down usage and even some carries. So that was alarming. Jimmy Garoppolo actually thought played pretty well. Um, you know, did he miss some passes here and there? Sure. But that pick is 100% on Jair Alexander. That was an incredible play uh, coming back for the ball. Um so I, I don't blame him on that pick. There are definitely some things he needed to clean up in that game. He missed some throws for sure. Don't get it twisted. But that pick is not on him to me at all. Uh, I actually thought <laughs> Jair uh, just made a play on a actually a probably good pass in most situations. Most corners are not <laughs> getting back up to that in thirds from the other side of the field. Um, on the Green Bay side, Aaron Rodgers was lights out, um, played really well. Aaron Jones had a good day. And the Green Bay Packers do not need a wide receiver, too, if the secondary is as bad as the 49ers is. Um, that was very clear that um, Aaron Rodgers really need, never needed to make it past his first read um, because Devontae Adams was always open. Um, that's most of what I have there, to be honest with you. Lazard had his one really big play, like, what was that, the second or third play of the game and was just never to be heard of again um, mm. the rest of the game. Uh, yeah. I think it was nice to see Kittle and Ayuk actually be utilized in the passing game. Oh, before yeah, I guess that, that is a note, is that uh, Ayuk and, like you said, uh, Kittle did get kind of back into there. Kittle, especially with his nine targets, um, was, was used. Uh, I believe he was actually who was being targeted on that Jair Alexander pick, if I remember correctly. Um, which again, uh, I don't think that that's the fault of either the 49ers guys there. Uh, yeah, and Ayuk got into the end zone, um, was a little bit more involved, and I expect him to be more like the Ayuk of last year going forward. It seems as if he is finally out of the doghouse. That being said, Debo did still lead in target, so I think he might still be the wide receiver there. Um, finally, in the Philadelphia-Dallas game, I think that with the information we currently have, it is clear that Jalen Hurts is more of the quarterback that we saw um, weeks two and now week three than he is the quarterback we saw against Atlanta. He's, due to the Eagles' offensive line, struggled to run the ball. Um, the passing game was not pretty. Uh, they, they had some big plays early on, but also he had some 
bad picks, um, some bad turnovers uh, throughout the game. Um, it was just not an efficient showing from the Eagles offense overall. Uh, they got one of those two touchdowns pretty late in the game when it was uh, all but decided. Uh, and I don't know what they were doing because this is a game that I think could have been close early, but they just refused. And I mean, absolutely refused to run Miles Sanders. He got a, a that 24 yard rush was either his, well, obviously it was either his first or second attempt. It was the only two, uh, but I, I believe it was that first one um, where he, he, you know, had a pretty good run uh, and just, they never came back to him. I don't get it. I, you know, by the time they're in the second half and they were down, I understand. Um, but it's not like they were at a loss for drives in the first half. They had, you know, possession of the ball at least three or four times. Um, they could have tried to get a, a run game going and they didn't. Um, kind of surprising actually to me, given uh, the emphasis that the, uh, that Reich and the Colts offense always had with Sirianni there uh, on running the ball. So it was surprising to me that they didn't try to get that going more, um, but I, I get the game script. I would be worried about though, because that though, because while I think Dallas is a really good team, um, I don't feel very confident in this Eagles team. Uh, they seem to be towards the bottom of that middle tier, which means they could be in negative game scripts like this one a decent amount this year. Uh, which does not seem to spell well for Miles Sanders at all. Of course, you saw James Robinson last year, who was successful um, despite being on a bad team as a fantasy football running back, and it does not seem like that Miles Sanders will get that same kind of usage unless they're up. Um, on the Dallas side of things, another down week for Amari Cooper. I think we'll come back out of that, but it's worth noting. Uh, both of these running backs can be productive at the same time. Uh, that's it, This is not a mutually exclusive thing. Ezekiel Elliott is the clear clear running back one, but they're going to get the ball into Pollard's hands. They know what they have, and they know what that opens up for the passing game. Um, so they're going to use both of them. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was uh, – I thought his pass blocking was notable in this game, uh, and I think that's what's going to keep him on the field. Uh, they're not going to get rid of him. One, he ran really well. He got two touchdowns. Uh, but two, he's just such a good pass blocker that if I, I have to imagine Dak wants him out there. Um, and the, the team has no reason to take him off the field. Um, uh, the only other note here is that Dalton Schultz uh, led in targets and he had a pretty big day for a tight end, six receptions, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that's something I think is more a product of them being up and, uh, you know, being in that run first mode a lot. Uh, I, I think that this is still a pretty close tight end, uh, situation between him and Jarwin, but Schultz is the better blocker between the two. So I think he was just because of the situation out there a lot more. And that covers us for the recaps for the, uh, for week three. Great work, everybody. <clears throat> Let me bring our overlay back up. All right, guys. Now it's time for our belly ups and our belly flops. We can move on. So who's your guys' uh, top performers of the week? I will go we'll – do, we'll do one at a time. Um, so one, one belly up and one belly flop. Um, before I go ahead and start mine, I have to announce the winner of the belly up fantasy player of the week for week three. 
which was Matthew Stafford in a close race between him and Josh Allen. Stafford pulled out the victory um, with his big performance this week. Um, both of them, of course, had really great fantasy football performances, and we would love to know who you think was the most valuable fantasy player. Um, definitely hit us on Twitter about that, and we'll have a poll up tomorrow. Um, but as far as my personal top performers, um, my first belly up would be Mike Kosicki, again, with the, the high targets from Jacoby Brissett. And my disappointment would be Allen Robinson. He had a tough matchup, but it just doesn't look good for him going forward until Bill Lazor is the play caller in Chicago. Um, my belly up, my first belly up is going to have to be Allen, who ran, you know, came in second in the poll. He was fantastic this week. He justified a lot of people taking him as high as they had. People were kind of concerned those past couple of weeks. Are you, is he regressing back to the old Josh Allen? Hopefully not, because after last week, he looked like he's back on track, run the ball down the field, the accuracy and explosiveness and five touchdown passes. You can't, I mean, five, four touchdown passes and one touchdown rushing. You can't right. do that. Mm-hmm. My belly flop, I'm, I'm going to kind of give a dual thing with the Ravens running game in general. Uh, I think sure. people thought that you were going to get something out of Taysom Williams for sure and probably something out of Latavius Murray. I know a lot of people who play Latavius Murray expecting to get at least a touchdown, and you got squat from both those players. So that was definitely my two belly flop, my belly flop. I definitely, uh, due to injuries to other players, ran Tyson Williams in a couple weeks thinking that he would get some garbage time yards uh, once the Ravens were up, which did not happen for <laughs> some reason. <laughs> um, I'll go I'll go with someone that I um, outwardly said I don't like, but uh, A.J. Green, you know, he had a hell of a game. Uh, five catches, 122 yards. Obviously, he's getting targeted, and it's showing that he's finally maybe using it. I mean, it could be just the weak Jaguars defense, but, you know, he had a good game. Um, my other one, my belly flop. I think I'm just going to go with Amari Cooper. Like, that was – I mean, I know, the, I know the game script was not really going that way anyways, but – I mean, even C.D. Lamb got a you know a nice 44-yard bomb, so mm-hmm. it was kind of like weird to not see Cooper reel in at least five passes. Um, yeah, yeah. Best. All right. So of my second little duo here, uh, top performer uh, belly up would be Brandon Cooks. Um, I, I think it is locked in that he is QB proof at least on this Texas team because there are literally no other targets. Um, he had one third of the targets on the team. And he had two-thirds of the yardage uh, in the passing game. Um, so make of that what you will. I, You could not pay me enough money to touch any other Texas player other than Brandon Cooks. Uh, disappointment, of course, and we just got off this game. But Miles Sanders, I mean, good Lord, how, how are you going to have uh, a running back break a 24-yard run and then never use him again? Come on, Nick Sirianni. Like, what are we doing? That was terrible. Um, so my other belly up would be Deshaun Jackson. Can you can you guys think of a player who looks just more perfect with Matthew Stafford throwing him the ball? I mean, it's just like if the explosive is still there, Stafford's arm, it was just a match made in heaven, it seemed like this past Sunday. Um so yeah. Deshaun had a nice big game. Definitely added that explosiveness factor down to the for the uh, Rams in the passing game. And somebody I think might have some future good games. So you're always gonna bet on it. But it was nice to see Deshaun Jackson return and be healthy out there and have a big game. My belly flop, 
I'm going to go with Rondell Moore, another guy I put in my lineup, expecting nice numbers versus Jacksonville, who's been basically slaughtered in the slot position. Um, just talked about A.J. Green having a nice bounce back game. Saw Christian Kirk have a nice game, even despite DeAndre Hopkins not doing a whole lot. The one person who did absolutely squat was Rondell Moore. Two catches for negative one yard. Wasn't utilized in any kind of really facet and really surprising versus the matchup he had. So that's my, definitely my belly when I play flops. I'm going to go with uh, Stafford as my belly up because he played absolutely incredible against a defense that, you know, I think that that was probably that was one of the toughest competitions you could have. And he went out there and he just played flawless ball. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can't hate any aspect of what he did on that game. Um, obviously, he's developed a incredible relationship with Cooper Cup over breakfast time because – you know, I think they've got what four touchdowns now. Freaking, yeah. And then, um, like you said, Deshaun Jackson um, can't go wrong in that offense right now. Uh, my belly flop is going to be Trey Sermon. Um, I was not impressed being a 49er fan. Um, like Adam said, you know, we had talked about it before on the show, on the morning show. Um, we thought that. You know, Green Bay was going to be one of those defenses, very exploitable, you know, especially with the run game. And then you have that athletic zone run that uh, Kyle Shanahan likes to throw out there. So it was kind of weird to, you know, see Sherman kind of not really do much. I mean, he got saved by the touchdown, but really at the end of the day, you know, what did he do out there? You know, you know unless it was that touchdown, he would have had 29 yards on like, what, 14 carries. So that's not really good. But uh, yeah. Yeah, the only thing I would say in defense of him, and it's I still think, like I said, that I have very massive worries about him. Uh, but I, I think that off that rushing offense needs one of the running backs in it to be a speed guy. Like, mm-hmm. I think that kind of adds to it being like how dynamic it is. And when it's just him, who's a, a I at least thought coming out was a, a balanced like vision, like some power but not like a power back type of guy but like was just a a balanced overall back he doesn't have that speed um to really make defenses pay like a like a mostert or a mitchell or some of those other guys do um, so that's the one little uh pro sermon thing i'll throw in there is that i don't think that the offense works as well without that speed guy but he that doesn't uh nearly defend <laughs> all of what happened there yeah i mean i i totally agree he's I was never high on him being like a burst guy. Like he doesn't really hit the hole. He kind of like waits for it to like really open up and then he attacks it. But like you said, he doesn't really have power or anything that you would need for like that, that next level elite type running back. And so I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, you need somebody like a Mitchell or most or somebody who can really hit the hole and make somebody pay for it, make the defense pay for it. Alfred Morris is pretty good in that uh, offense. He's not a speedster, but I touch it. means right. But I mean, in San Francisco, I think they've needed that. I guess I should I should specify since they've been using the two back uh, running back value doesn't matter type of system. I think that that's been a big See, part of it. What I saw, I'm not a big Trey Sermon fan coming out of college. I thought he was definitely over over ranked or over drafted. I should say. Um, having said that. It didn't seem like they're utilizing the back that they actually have versus what you guys are kind of talking about. They're trying to use a back that doesn't really fit that role. 
and clearly didn't have the confidence of the coaching staff, which I think was affecting him running in general. You saw him mm-hmm. kind of fight the ball a couple of throws where I think that was some concentration things. I think he's trying a little too hard, thinking a little too much versus just playing football. And a big part mm-hmm. of that is becoming, I think the coaching staff not really showing him the confidence, particularly Charles Shanahan. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. going to probably get another chance. So we'll see what he can do against the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks are another kind of defense that you can run against. So we'll see what he can do. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on, uh, we're going to go ahead and hit our key uh, big takes um, for the weekend. Uh, Chris, I feel like I remember you saying that you had a, a good one here. So we'll, we'll lead off with you. So when an offense runs 42 plays and gets 47 total yards, somebody should be somebody should be accountable for that. And that would be Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy took over the play calling again from last year, which he did a horrendous job at the beginning of last season. People seem to forget when the Bears got right was when Bill Lazor took over as offensive coordinator. Matt Nagy wanted to take the job back for some reason this year. He did. Adam and I warned you over and over and over again that this is going to be hell to pay because this guy cannot do anything offensively. And he took one of the more talented quarterbacks athletically coming into this draft and had him run three times for 12 yards. He and only two of those were designed. Only, exactly. Only two of those were designed. The guy was under siege all game long, yet the pocket never moved. They didn't really utilize the running game. They only gave Montgomery 10 carries. And Allen Robinson continues to underperform. Darnell Mooney is a speedster for what? Because they don't throw the ball down the field. Until Matt Nagy gets fired or demoted, or turns over the play callings, I should say, there's no reason to touch anybody on the Bears other than possibly David Montgomery any kind of confidence week in, week out. All these guys are going to severely underperform as long as he continues to be the coach because this offense is just putrid, and this guy's got to go. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, like I said, uh, or like you said with the running thing, I mean, that's just a lot of the the passing stuff was on fields, although they weren't adding any extra uh, help in the like as far as blocking goes. Um, they were using five-man protections like half the game which led to nine sacks. So do you think at some point you'd come out in the second half and be like, all right, we're going to have a running back stay or a tight end stay or literally anything. Or right. That didn't bootleg. happen. Yeah, call a bootleg, like start like doing literally something. Um, just moving guys around, moving the pocket, like literally anything. Um, and that never happened. Um, so, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, you can blame a lot of those passes on fields. That was not a good passing performance from him at all. Um, but the fact that he didn't – they didn't try to use him as a runner is bordering upon negligence. I, there's just no other way around that. Um, I, you know, I don't know there. I don't think there's any route for victory for the bears against the Browns um, in that situation on fields first start, but it could have been a lot better than that. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, if you had some more design runs and even the runs that he got to the outside, like you could see the hesitation from him to actually start running the ball, which is something you don't want to see from somebody who has a four, four speed. You want to just like make the decision, dude, like the game is pretty much over. Just make the decision. Go, go mm-hmm. like get something going for yourself. You know how they say like, sometimes you got to get something going for yourself to get like the team going. Like, and there was just plenty of times where he would run out to the outside still try and make a throw and then last minute go for the run. And you know, Linebacker would be right there. Yeah. You know? 
hard to get started when somebody's already in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. That was yeah. What was a yikes game? Yeah, for everyone involved. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on, um, my top take outside of the Bears things. I figured someone else would touch upon it, and I, I'm already a, a Fields apologist, so I didn't want to harp on it too much. Um, but just in general, I, I think fantasy play, uh, managers should understand how much that the game script is going to matter for running backs um, outside of like the top couple guys. Right. So Christian McCaffrey, it doesn't matter, which hope he comes back healthy. Dalvin cook doesn't matter, but ho- also hope he comes back healthy. Uh, could be a trend there. Um, Ezekiel Elliott doesn't really matter, but for guys like, uh, you know, all, all these middle tier backs, right? Like, mm-hmm. If you're down a lot, then someone else who's a better pass catcher could come in, or you just might not be getting those carries. You might not be getting used in the red zone. Um, take Aaron Jones, for example. He's been great the last two weeks, but did nothing the first week because they were down. Uh, I, I just think, you know, people need to be cognizant of situations like that. Obviously, that one in particular was unpredictable, but games where you, you know a team's going to be down, don't play their, their uh, you know, first and second down back. Games where you know a team is going to be down, Maybe you want to play their third down back. Uh, so I, I, you know, I just think people should be cognizant of, you know, which running back to use in what matchup because it's not, it, it, no team is a don't play running backs against that team. It's a which running back are you going to play? Because uh, most teams are going to have different running backs for this different situations outside of, like I said, those key guys. Yeah. Um. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah. I guess my biggest takeaway is that too many weapons can sometimes be a problem. And I'm referring to um, what Chris was talking about in the Arizona game with Rondale Moore, who absolutely went off last week or, well, you know, I'm talking about week two, but did absolutely nothing week three. You know, there's quite a few instances where, you know, you'll have somebody, you'll draft him because he's got so much potential and then he can fall off next week. You know, we saw it with Lockett this week. Metcalf came in and, you know, had a good game. Carson had a good game. When you have too many weapons, sometimes it's uh, just don't be surprised if your guy doesn't go. And kind of what you said, Adam, you know, maybe take that chance and say, oh, maybe since he's been having two or three good weeks, maybe it's this guy's turn to have a good week. So maybe you can like boldly sit this guy and it'll work out for you. Just kind of stay ahead of it. All right, guys. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the Thursday night game. (laughs) 
Oh, Lord. Jacksonville versus Cincinnati. Uh, every primetime game so far this season has been pretty good, but I am not holding my breath about the same being true of this one. I guess uh, Carolina-Houston also wasn't that great, but otherwise every primetime game has been pretty good. Um, no, even the first half last night was good. Second half was a little less so. But uh, yeah. otherwise, uh, what I'm going to be watching for in the Thursday night game this week, again, Jacksonville versus Cincinnati, I'm going to be watching the running backs receiving production, right? So is Chris Evans still taking uh, some of Mixon's role? And is James Robinson still in that role that he had last week, which it seemed as if he had taken back the third down role and as if he was returning to being that lead back? Uh, obviously, Carlos Hyde is still there. Um, he's still going to get used, um, unfortunately. But uh, I- I'm interested in seeing how those uh, running backs get used. I'm interested to see if Dan Arnold gets into the game and if he does what he what he does and how he gets used. Because um, if I I mean if he was to get the targets that James o- James O'Shaughnessy um, was getting the first couple weeks um, with the type of talent that Dan Arnold has that O'Shaughnessy doesn't. Uh, I think he could actually be a pretty viable fantasy player uh, here in a week or two. Um, so I'm interested to see, get an early look at kind of how they're using him. I'm sure uh, James O'Shaughnessy is going to be the tight end one for them this week. Obviously uh, they brought him in today, uh, the games in three days. Uh, but like I said, just kind of want to see how he gets used if he gets on the field a couple snaps. Have you ever seen a tight end gets talked about more util- and played for more teams within the next last couple of years? I mean, this guy bounces around all over the place, and everybody's like, well, this is the time he's going to blow up this time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I is too be- true, though. <laughs> yeah, I was absolutely right. But to be fair, the tight end position is almost just an afterthought in both of the last two teams. And James O'Shaughnessy, I'm not saying Dan Arnold's this crazy talent, but he's certainly a better receiving tight end than James O'Shaughnessy. So if he was to get that type of usage, then I would be for it. Otherwise, eh. (laughs) Uh, I think that... No, I was going to ask what what your take on the game was, so go for it. Yeah, I think my big thing I'm looking for is is Jamar Chase continue his his incredible start to the season. Um, I think it's really interesting to see if T. Higgins comes back this week. It's a Mm -hmm. short week, so will he continue to be out? When they had all three of the receivers, you know, Justin talked about Joe Burrow not having to do too much. He was 14 for 18 against Pittsburgh. He really didn't throw the ball very often. So it's kind of curious to see, will he get back on track fantasy-wise? He did have three touchdown passes. So this is a guy a lot of people, lot of people were high on going into the season. Could be like, you know, the quarterback two for you, borderline quarterback one. So you kind of want to see when playing against a team like Jacksonville, can kind of like a scoreboard. Um, so that's going to be interesting to me. And then I also want to see on the Jacksonville side, who continues to step up as a receiver? Will it just be basically Marvin Jones the entire year, and once in a while DJ Shark shows up? Will Chanel ever have that decent game? Um, and overall, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting matchup for them offensively in general because this Bengals team isn't a pushover on defense like people expected them to be in a lot of ways, and it actually might be way better than people have thought. So that's going to be really interesting to see. Can Jacksonville really have a kind of an attack, and if they can they do something offensively versus his defense? <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of want to see a, I kind of want to see a good game. I mean, um, you know, last week Jacksonville took Arizona pretty far um, before Arizona came back and beat them. Um, so I'm just kind of like, I want to see, you know, is Trevor Lawrence gonna ever kind of emerge from this two interception slump he's been going on for the past couple of weeks? You know, is um, 
like you said, Adam, is James Robinson going to solidify his role? Uh, I mean, you guys pretty much covered all of it. I do want to see if uh, I think this could be a Joe Mixon week. Like, I think this could be a reversion to like week one where he goes for over 140 yards scrimmage. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and move on to Cleveland versus Minnesota, which I think is a good test game for both teams, but obviously uh, more so for Minnesota. Um, I think that, again, they're much better than their record indicates. Uh, they were in both games, um, you know, have played really well. Uh, and I guess the other note is Odell must start going forward. Uh, I think he, again, he wasn't super flashy this last week, but he played well in a game that Cleveland didn't really need to pass much. Um, so in a game, uh, you know, where there is going to be a little more competition uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I, I don't know. I think Odell could be that type of guy, especially um, the Minnesota secondary hasn't looked that great to me so far. Yeah, I, for me, I think this is obviously a game that you start all your different fantasy players involved. There's nothing that you're necessarily worried about. But one of the things I'm really interested to see is is that Cleveland defense turned the corner in a sense. Because the one thing we know that the Vikings, they do have a hard time with the pass protection. And you're disruptive in their backfield. That has caused them some issues. So it's going to be interesting to see, can, is Cleveland's defense coming together? Was it just the Bears were that bad? Or is it somewhere in between? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, who's the third guy this week. Minnesota for me you know I think that uh KJ Osborne had a rough week so Tyler Conklin stepped in and it's kind of figuring out who's really in that role for like the long run as far as you know being that third option in the in the offense and can Kirk Cousins you know in the face of this Browns defense you know can he still be Mr. Reliable you know can he still put 250 to 300 yards up and three touchdowns not turn over the ball and just be you know Kirk Cousins Awesome, awesome. So, okay, we can go ahead and move on to Seattle versus San Francisco. Um, we, we just saw Seattle struggle with a tight end, so I'm interested to see if, if Kittle and, to a lesser extent, IU can continue um, their involvement after you know not being super involved early in the season. Um, so that's big, and obviously interested to see what happens with the running back situation for San Francisco. Um, I would like to see a Trey Sermon rebound here, uh, rooting for him, but I don't love the odds, I'll be honest. Yeah, for me, this game is another one I think you start all your fantasy players involved, mm-hmm. maybe a little trepidation whether you start a Trey Sermon or a Brandon Ayuk, but this is a good matchup for both offenses. Neither defense has shown up this year, so it's both surprisingly bad, particularly against the pass, uh, mm-hmm. the Seattle against the run, so it's, it should be a game that should be a high-scoring game. And it's something that I think, like I said, you know, you talked about people you're kind of looking out for and watching for. I think Trey Sermon has been one of the big, big players. Can George Kittle be involved for a second week in a row offensively? The 49ers seem to be all over the place offensively, particularly how they're utilizing guys. So I'm really interested to see how that kind of unfolds. And then does Russ continue to kind of get back on track and does he get, you know, have more offensive production? Against the Vikings, they moved the ball, but they didn't score a lot of points. So it's going to be kind of curious to see can they put some more points up on the board, make him that true court, you know, discussion is that QB1. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm ready to see uh, if so. You know, there's always a game in the season where Jimmy Garoppolo kind of has like one of those 
you know, like Biff games. He, he just he needs a mulligan. Um, he'll throw like one or two interceptions. I'm wondering if this could be that game. Seattle's always kind of given him some trouble in the past. And we've kind of been periodically seeing Trey Lance come in and goal line work. Um, so I'm interested to see if, one, we see more Trey Lance. And two, if we see, you know, uh, more Ayuk, more Kittle, and, you know, whatever the status of Mitchell is going forward. All right. Um, moving on, we'll look at the Cardinals versus the Rams. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, this is like another no-brainer of play all of your guys. But what I'm interested to, interested to hear your guys' take on, I, I think uh, one of those secondary guys for Arizona is going to step up. One, uh, of course, we're assuming Hopkins plays – He's going to probably take uh, Jalen Ramsey. Um, Willie. I would imagine, right? Jalen Ramsey hasn't been following guys as much this year with the new coaching staff. He's been playing a lot more that star position and playing that slot corner predominantly. He's lined up over there about 65% of the time. Oh, you didn't oh. see him follow Mike Evans versus Tampa Bay. Big part of that is they like, utilize him in the blitzing, kind of that mix play multiple roles for them. So that he hasn't really mm-hmm. been traveling as that shutdown corner we've seen yeah. in the past. Interesting. Well, then I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, how the the other the receivers under Hopkins kind of sort themselves out uh, going forward. Then, um, also, kind of curious to see if uh, I feel like the running back stable for the Cardinals has been well, very stable, um, and kind of what their roles are. Um, I would imagine with that being said in a more competitive game that Edmonds should have a pretty big week this week. Uh, you know, this is a game where I think Arizona will be, I, I think that they have the offense to keep up, but I do think they'll probably be looking up at the Rams most of the game, um, which is pretty good for Edmonds and pretty bad for uh, Connor. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, like you talked about, you definitely try to start most of your guys. I might avoid probably Rondell more this week. I know he just come mm-hmm. up with that. Maybe people are kind of like, just me a one-week thing. Like I said, Jalen Ramsey is predominantly playing the slot for the Rams right now, so I don't like that matchup. Um, and I also would be concerned about the Rams' um, pass protection. We didn't see Pierre Paul play this week for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay really wasn't at full strength under secondary either. I do wonder if J.J. Watt and uh, Chandler Jones can, can give the Rams a bit of a harder time, particularly because the offensive line isn't anything to write home about. They did a decent job this week, but I want to see will it hold up against true pass rushers, and will that actually kind of be their chink in the armor, so to speak, moving forward? Um, yeah, I'm interested to see if uh, Robert Woods finally gets out of the doghouse and starts doing some good stuff out there. I, mean, I know he's not in the doghouse, but, you know, he's been kind of missing for a while. Um, I'm also interested to kind of see, like, what's – What's up with the Daryl Henderson situation? Is he going to be out a little bit longer? Does that mean Sony Michelle is going to be more prominent out there? Um, Tyler Higby got got in a touchdown last week. You know, I want to see more Tyler Higby. And on the rate or on the not the Raider side, the Cardinal side, um, I kind of want to see, you know, see if Christian Kurt starts breaking out. Uh, we saw obviously AJ Green break out. You know, Hopkins is always going to be really good. Um, I want to see if, you know, Christian Kirk's got another touchdown game in him. You know, we talk, you talked about Rondell Moore, Chris, and him probably getting the Ramsey assignment. 
that would leave a perfect opportunity for Kurt to, you know, attack downfield. So looking for that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We've got two games left to uh, preview. Um, the second or the first of which is Tampa Bay versus New England, the Tom Brady uh, come home game. Yeah. Uh, my my key notes here, of course, I'm going to be watching Tom Brady. Uh, I, I feel like this is a game where he, you know, could just go nuclear and have a, a crazy game, you know, just because of the uh, the, the storyline type of thing. But I, also, I could see this being a pretty tight game. Uh, I could see, you know, Bill playing really well against a, a you know a, a guy that he's familiar with, or getting his guys, of course, to play really well against. Uh, a guy that he's familiar with. Um, someone who I am absolutely fading this week is Damian Harris. Again, this Tampa Bay rushing defense is no joke. I think Damian Harris is a stud and actually could be someone who after this week I'd be willing to buy low on um, because, you know, he's uh, been down a little bit um, after a fantastic week one. Um, Overall, though, I, I'm just all eyes on Mac Jones. Since yeah, this is going to be a, a spotlight type game, a prime time game, I want to see what you know how, how that uh, does for Mac Jones. I, I know he's obviously played in some huge games, including like a you know a college football championship and whatnot. But uh, let's see what he does in the NFL in prime time. Yeah. So for me, I think you know you definitely want to start all the different Bay receivers that you have, mm-hmm. but you might try to temper expectations. This is a good secondary. It's also going to kind of depend on who blows up based on matchups. So you're going to kind of see who does JC Jackson, who's, who's going to be probably more like on Godwin, who is Jones on. So you want to see some of these corner matchups to see who gets kind of the easier one, especially with DFS purposes. Um, I think Tom Brady has a good game. I think we all agree with that. The running back situation, I'm not touching this week in Tampa Bay. I think there's no clear-cut guy, although you can definitely attack, you know, the Ravens, the Ravens, sorry, the Patriots. Um, with the running backs, they haven't, they've been terrible against the run. You know, throw with your backs against them. So it's, it's going to be probably a solid production. One of the guys are going to probably do well. I just can't tell you who that's going to be. Um, and I think on the Patriots side, talk about Matt Jones, all eyes on him. I also think this is a good game that you can play Myers in. Uh, I thought I'm kind of becoming more and more the go-to guy for him last last week. I think he's definitely a starter, possibly a PPR flex guy you can put out there. Um, and I think that you're going to kind of watch the receivers being involved a lot more this week because you're going to have to score with Tampa Bay. And that is where their weakest at is in their secondary right now. Mm-hmm. So you can get points out of Myers. You might try to add Galar maybe on a DFS thing. I wouldn't start him in any of my leagues, but I just got to kind of keep my eye on. The one thing I'm really concerned about and I want to see kind of step up this week is going to be the tight ends. Their underutilization so far this offense has been kind of very surprising to me. They haven't really focused on using them or getting them involved in the ball, getting them the ball. So that's something I definitely want to see. Is this is this a, just kind of the start of the season? They're kind of still getting acclimated, or is this going to be a trend for the whole season? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just to kind of bounce off of that, um, another guy that kind of became like a safety net for last night or for last week's game was uh, Kendrick Bourne. I want to kind of see if maybe he gets a little bit more involved or if it was more negative game script that he got involved. Um, obviously Myers is always a good buy Aguilar. I don't know. I mean, it's an exploitable defense. So yeah, maybe, you know, throwing Aguilar out there on a couple deeper routes would be good. Um, on the buck side, like Chris said, play every play, everybody. Um, one of them is going to get Jalen Mills. So, and then 
as far as running backs, I actually don't mind the idea of Gio Bernard if he's healthy. Um, I think that he could be somebody that is almost like a long-term, like, you know, guy that replaces James Hart or James White in uh, Tom Brady's heart. Um, we all know he's been – he won James White in the offseason, and he ended up selling for Giovanni Bernard. Uh, the first full game that he got 50% of the snaps, he looked okay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they attack it that way. Obviously, Rojo and Fournette can obviously, cannot figure out who is the lead back, and they can also not figure out how to get 30 yards together. So, you know, somebody's got to go out there and do some work. And finally, our last game of the evening, the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Los Angeles Chargers, two teams in relatively new homes, um, battling it out on Monday night. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to see what the Raiders are up to because their games are always, so far this season, electric. Like I've <laughs> had a lot of fun watching them this season. Um, and just to see if Waller's targets go up. You know, he was like, targeted an insane rate week one was only been i think seven the last two games each um which for most tight ends is great uh but would like to see him get targeted a little bit more want to see how they use rugs again on the raiders side um on the flip side of the chargers i feel pretty comfortable in mike williams at this point so no longer like keeping an eye out on him um but i would like to see how they use some of these other other guys right so I, i found it weird when they when they drafted uh, Palmer this year, uh, because I feel like Guyton is in that same role, and so far Guyton has been ahead. So I'm interested to see if that starts to shift in any meaningful way. I'm interested to see how Cook um, gets utilized. He had a down week last week, um, but has been a solid addition for that team. Otherwise, um, so interested to see how that goes for them. Also, hoping to see Josh Jacobs back out on the field. Yeah, for me on the Chargers side, I think you definitely start all the guys you have involved, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. Um, you might consider heavy with Jared Cook putting him out there as well, Eichler, of course, and Herbert. They all should have pretty solid games. Um, on the Raiders side, the thing I'm looking to pay attention to is who's that running back about Josh Jacobs coming back. I think that's something that you clearly can attack the Chargers with. They have a really struggle against the rush all year long. Uh, their passing defense is pretty decent. It's not that they can stop you necessarily, but it's been pretty – Dak Prescott didn't have a huge game. Mahomes um, didn't have a huge game. So they absolutely can keep guys kind of more contained than you might expect. So Derek Carr, will he continue to be that, you know, that QB one conversation? Or is this kind of the week where you don't necessarily don't take that chance because he's not going to have quite the ceiling that you're hoping for. But I do think whoever that starting running back is, whether it's Peyton Barber or Josh Jacobs, I'm starting them with confidence or I want to have them out there because this is the game that you want to exploit that matchup. Absolutely. Um. So just a couple additions. I um, I want to see if they start opening up the top. I'm talking about the Raiders. If they start t- opening up the top um, with Brian Edwards some more. Um, he had three chunk plays in the last game, and two of them came in overtime. So yeah, I'm just wondering if maybe you know they start to you know start throwing a little bit more his direction. He obviously knows what he's doing when he gets the ball in his hands. He's a, a big six three receiver with some wheels on him. Um, Leads the team in uh, snaps, too. What's that? Leads the receiving team, the receivers in snaps, too. Yeah. Look at, well, look what that got him, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, that's one thing I think is really interesting because all three games, basically, he hasn't been utilized until that final couple of minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime. Yep. So it seems to be mm-hmm. the trend for them, even though he's out there the majority of the time. Right, yeah. right. But, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy because you're right. The two overtime games that he's had, he's been in, he's been very prominent. Like he's made the big catch in the big, in the big moment. But um, my my other guy is uh, yeah, just kind of like seeing like what's gonna be the offense when Josh Jacob Josh Jacobs gets back. Obviously, Peyton Barber took over the Josh Jacobs role. He was the bruiser, and even though he fumbled the ball twice, he was still out there. So that means that Kenyon Drake really has like a set role as kind of like the utility guy, not really like the the full-on handcuff backup to him. Um, and yeah, I guess I guess my last one would be, you know, does Zay Jones start up? Does does he end up he ends up like being there periodically to make like a 15 yards catch or something like that, you know? I think he could also be someone to go out there and, you know, maybe do like what Hunter Renfro does, take a little bit of pressure off him. But it's third down, third down and Renfro. Third down and Renfro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we go ahead and get out of here, uh, like I said, we finished up our game preview. We're going to go ahead and get some transaction talk. All right. So we're going to do a one waiver pickup or one drop or one watch lister or mm-hmm. a, a buy sell guy. Um, so two of any of those things. Okay. Uh, so we can go ahead and start with you. So for my waiver pickup, uh, the guy I'm definitely looking at is Zach Moss. He's only on for a lot of people dropped him after the first week. A lot of people were down on that Buffalo team, but like I said, this guy scored touchdowns in multiple games. Now he took over kind of that lead role back for the bills as the game continued last week. And while Devin Singletary looked more explosive player and they might trust Moss more and he's involved in the passing game, which Singletary never seems to be able to do so. So this is a guy I think you should add sooner than later. I'd be – who I have is your should be add. I'm going to go with a waiver uh, – or not a waiver, I'm sorry, a watch list guy. Um, so I'm going to put uh, Pat Freermuth on there. Um, he's obviously getting a lot more targets. He got five targets in this game. Um, he caught three balls, caught a touchdown. I think he's kind of slowly working his way in there. And if Juju has, uh, if he, he's day to day right now, but if Juju ends up missing a game and, you know, Deontay ends up missing the game, they're going to have to go somewhere. So maybe putting Freermuth out there a little bit more. Josh Gordon is back in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again. <laughs> Listen, fade me on this. I don't care. I'm not going to give up any real asset for him. He's not getting any FAAB or I'm not trading for him or anything like that. But if I have deep benches, I'm adding him because I, the play from every wide receiver, not named Tyree Kill, really also Tyree Kill, has been completely uninspired on the Chiefs offense. Someone needs to step up. I doubt it's him, but it would be fantastic if it was. So if I can get him for free, I'm going to do it. I'm not, like I said, not putting assets towards it, but would I rather have him or some low upside guy that's occasionally worth a flex, right? So I'm going to just shoot for the stars with him. He might be off my roster in two weeks. We're going for it. So for my second one, I'm going to go with a, a guy that I think you should try to buy on the low, and that's Robert Woods. We talked about him underperforming the first three weeks. Teams might be having a little anxious with what they're getting out of him. Um, I think that's somebody you, know, you want to get your hands on. I think you can try to get him for on a cheap price you buy now because it'll pay off later. Um, I'm going to say 
go out and grab Gio Bernard. Don't put much fab towards it, but go out and grab him because if he does end up with a James White role, then we all know that James White was significant in fantasy for a long period of time. So you might have your running back two or your flex position sealed up with Gio Bernard. I was also going to say the Robert Woods one, but for the sake of being different, I will also say go buy a Jonathan Taylor. The Colts offensive line cannot be injured forever. And with the rumors that Marlon Mack is getting out of town, uh, I, I think that it's very clear that they want to have an emphasis on getting him back into uh, the swing of things. Um, you know, he's not going to be Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott. He's not going to be one of those guys who's guaranteed 20, 25 touches every single game. Um, but I think the price that after the first three weeks you'd be getting him at, that doesn't matter. Uh, if he can revert to getting his 10 to 15, sometimes 20 touches a game, I think you're going to be very successful if you buy him now. Agreed. Do for some regression touchdown-wise, too, or progression, I should say, touchdown-wise. Yeah, absolutely. And they have not a bad matchup next week. All right, guys, that was the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching and or listening to the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show. Um, Chris, what are you guys doing on the uh, Belly Up MBFF show this week? So I'll be on the Thursday show, and we're basically going to be profiling the early games, going over kind of the expectations what we're going to see in the Thursday game and the early 1 o'clock games on Sunday. Awesome, awesome. And you can go check that out at Show on Twitter and also uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and whatever else, wherever you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, Justin, what are you working on this And we're week? on Roku, and we're on Fox. You can find us a lot of places. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Justin, no, sure, sure. <laughs> um, I just dropped the waiver wire. Uh, it's a one-week thing. I took over for Kevin Wilson, so I dropped the waiver wire this week, and then I'm going to be dropping start sits a little later on. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, and I am uh, your host, Adam LaRue. I will be probably doing some buy-sell this week if time permits. Um, like I did uh, after week one, uh, going into week two. You can follow me on Twitter at LaRue Adam. All right, guys. Again, that's the show. Thank you guys so much for watching and for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Bet Fred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.